2010 candidate series by talking to Rupert Parchment. Uh, Rupert is a candidate uh, in the July 20th Republican primary in the 13th Congressional District. Rupert, thanks for uh, joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Jason. Uh, how was the debate the other night? You guys had your first, uh, I guess, televised debate. So how did it go? The debate was, was great. Um, you know, some great questions uh, from the moderators. And I was just happy just to you know, be there for, and, and speak to the voters and communicate the issues that are going on in the district. Um, had a good time. The candidates were great. Um, you know, we'll let the voters speak for it, and we'll see what happens on July 20th. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, sure. Um, small business owner. Uh, own a moving company here in Georgia or in Atlanta. Um, been in Georgia since 2001. Loved it. Um, was born and raised in Connecticut and loved the South, loved Georgia, and wouldn't go back because of the things that I appreciate, low taxes, great people, uh, great homes. I love it here, so there was no point in, in even thinking about going up north. And to me, I, I, part of the running for office is to protect the, the Southern and Georgia way of life, to not let it turn into a Chicago, if you will, with excessive taxation and all kinds of programs, or California where everything is just falling apart. Um, but again, um, most of my experience comes from that. I've never run for political office before. Um, and really what galvanized me towards getting involved in this race was just the infringement, the infringement on my rights. Um, uh, you know, of course, I write paychecks, I do payroll. When I'm doing less payroll, something's going wrong. Um, after you try to tighten up everything within the office, you're looking at what's going on in the environment. And if people aren't buying goods and services, I'm in the moving industry, which is tied to housing. You already know the right. situation that I'm in. Um, combined with that, um, I have a Marco Rubio type story. My, my family's from Jamaica, West Indies. I'm the first generation here in America. And I was raised on, you know, it's the greatest country on the, on, in the world. If you can't do it here, forget it. And there's so many opportunities. And, you know, just to get here, learn your, learn your, uh, your books, get an education, work hard. You can have anything you want in America. And I hold those values. I was raised on that, nurtured on that. You're running in an overwhelmingly Democratic district, and oddly enough, you're locked in a, a crowded primary. What shot do you think you have, if nominated, at beating David Scott? Um, I see this going 55-plus my way. Really? I do. Um, and, and, I mean, I mean Jason, I'm, I'm a faith-based guy. I, I go based on, you know, you, don't, you never know. All things are possible through God. And I'll tell you where I stand on this race is a lot of people are, you know, pegging this race and using their, their analytics based on the last two runs. And there's a different vibe right now, and there's a different candidate right now. And those are the two things um, working in tandem. A lot of people you'll hear in this race talking about, well, the difference is that the people are energized. Nah. What it requires is a leader. Uh, an effective leader galvanizes the troops and leads them into war. He doesn't galvanize the troops and tell them, okay, go that way. That's the difference. What I'm doing is our campaign, we're going to all parts of the district. We're not just hanging out in Cobb and Douglas. We're going into Clayton. Unfriendly territory and all over, it, all over this district, be it a Democratic stronghold, a bunch of independents whatsoever, we are not afraid, and we're communicating the message of conservative politics and conservative livelihood, and, it, and people are grabbing on hold and saying, you know what, no one has ever come to our community and explained this. Thank you for coming. Rupert, you're going to be the first Republican I've ever voted for. Well, that's, the, that's the response we're getting. Well, the, the economy is the number one issue going into November. So what solutions do you, would you promote to create jobs in your district and in Georgia? 
Well, I, I think we, let's take a step back and say the demonization of businesses is 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 wrong. Eighty plus percent of uh, people who work work for small businesses in America. What we need to do some solutions: reduce capital gains. We need to audit the Fed. But most of my my approach is based on taking the burden off of the small business owner and the taxpayer. Two things need to happen. I support the fair tax, but you can't have the fair tax without cutting government spending, stopping future entitlement programs. We need to have no more taxpayer-funded bailouts. Um, suspend the payroll tax. I've championed this cause, you know, for suspend the payroll taxes on the employee side for one year, two years on the employer. What will that do? Put more money in Americans' hands, less uh, taken out of their paychecks. They'll get caught up on their bills, then they'll start buying goods and services. When people buy goods and services, trucks move, people start buying things, of course, and then all of a sudden we get out of this recession quickly. But, you know, additionally, we have to reduce corporate income taxes. We are not able to compete globally when the average for all, all countries outside the United States is 25%, but in America, we're about to go to 39%. Well, how do you expect companies to stay in America when it's almost double to do business in America? Right. So what we need to do, in my opinion, reduce corporate taxes down to 15%, which is more than half. We're at 36% now. And when we do that, we're encouraging businesses to stay here, hire Americans. Americans will pay taxes, buy goods and services, and you get the picture, the domino effect. We get out of this mess. We don't spend a year and a half talking about uh, the health care bill when we need to have been focusing on our economy. So for me, it's stopping the government spending any new entitlement programs and really cutting back. It's interesting that the rest of Europe is saying they want to cut back by 25%, but we're talking about still spending more money as if our HP printer just keeps printing it out nonstop, and I guess it is. Well. As you mentioned, spending is a big concern, and the national debt recently topped $13 trillion, and unfunded liabilities topped $50 trillion, and that's just a conservative estimate. Yet right. Washington keeps spending. What should be cut, and what should stay in? You know, unlikely, you know, what we hear in Washington, the issue is this, and simply, Jason, we have to make some tough decisions right now. And in my opinion, you go to each department and say, here's the budget you do get, Let's go with a zero-based budgeting, first of all, um, so we can be accountable every year of what do you really need money for. And then we, go to each, we also go to each department and say, okay, you're getting X number of million dollars a year. Here, divide that by two. Here's your new budget. I think if we go ahead and institute a 25 to 40% cut across the board, government has gone too. It's, it's too big, and it's too much of a cancer on the American consumer. It's the, the taxation to feed this behemoth has gotten out of control. Mm -hmm. What we need to do is stop it, take a hold of it, and get control again and say you cannot, it is not essential for the government to be, be this big. And now it's gotten so big now that it's, it, it, it's feeding off of more tax revenue, the VAT tax, mm -hmm. cap and trade, every other program that's coming out of this administration and what our congressman is supporting, David Scott, is against what we're trying to do, and that's the American prosperity. And that's what I'm all about. You focus a lot on national security, including opposing cuts to the defense budget. Some conservatives, including Mike Pence and Paul Ryan, have said cuts to the, to the defense budget should be on the table. Our continued occupation of Iraq and Afghanistan have contributed to the fiscal problems that this nation faces. Why not cut spending on defense 
and why not scale back our involvement overseas? I'll, I'll tell you, the, the age-old axiom still holds true. A strong, there's nothing, a strong defense or a strong offense is, is captured through a strong defense. What we need to do is continue to spend money. When we look at our, our seal, our presidential seal, there's an eagle. The eagle has an olive branch and it also has some arrows. Peace is obtained through strong defense. For me, I would much rather keep the, the, the nations that are hostile or the organizations that are hostile to America going backwards. It's harder to throw a punch when you're backpedaling than when you stop and pull back and allow them to take a, a Tyson knockout punch on you. I'm not willing to sacrifice American lives for, for our, or, or sacrifice our security for American lives, and it's just that simple. We need to ensure that we have the best defense, keep it cutting edge, on top and put money towards it. When you live in a neighborhood where people are talking, and let's bring this to a household level, if you live in a neighborhood, Jason, and people are telling you, like, look, I really don't like you, and the next opportunity I get, death to Jason, death to Jason, I'm not going to give up my guns, the one gun I have. Yeah, I don't... Keep it going. Keep the pressure on them and let them think, oh, gosh, he's got so many weapons, I don't want to attack him. Fine. If that keeps me safe, great. I don't have to attack anyone. I'm just showing a strong defense, but I will not cut our budget because when you have to increase it it means we're in trouble well and it's too late I, I think i think part of the part of the the reason i asked you this question was because you know our constitution does talk about national defense you're right it doesn't talk about international offense which we have been engaged in uh, right. for really for the past 90 to 100 years we've been engaging right. in wars that have really been unnecessary and some wars really created a domino effect and caused other wars i think right. i think my point and and there is a lot of waste in the defense budget and i'm not saying that you shouldn't we should you know scrap the defense budget but i think it should be gone over with a fine-tooth comb and i think that you should be able to find spending in there that can be cut uh, oh absolutely we've heard the stories of the 15 dollars screwdrivers um, and, and, oh, I apologize. No, I would not scrap it, but I'm sure, as with any other department, we can make it run more efficiently. And, and um, so I would agree with you on that, in that endeavor, that I'm sure we can go through and find, hey, are we really getting the best deal versus the best bang for our buck with this type of spending or this expenditure? So I'm sure we can find wasteful spending there. However, you know, I guess in terms of a national security front, I feel as though we should still secure our, our livelihood. And our and our right to sovereignty, and our right to be Americans, and not feel threatened um, through these terrorist activities. I don't disagree, and I, that that wasn't my intention. Was to say I disagree with you. My intention was to say that our our foreign policy has created some problems for us, uh, and and that's I guess my point is we you know okay. and, and and that's all I'm trying to say. So. We're going to agree to disagree. I, I think there's some things that we probably could do better. As with any, I mean, with tumultuous times, sometimes decisions are made, and we can look back. Hindsight is 2020. Um, but we're dealing with a, a group of individuals around this world who it's, it's not about our foreign policy. It's about a way of life, and they believe that death to all America. And I can't argue with someone who believes that they want to kill me in the name of God. On Monday, the Supreme Court issued a ruling incorporating the Second Amendment to the states. What are your thoughts on this? So wholeheartedly agree with it. Um, as a proud gun owner, um, you know, I, I, it's sad that this should even have to be a, a topic for discussion. I believe that the case rounds a man in Chicago. Um, I forget the state, but um, or the city. Sorry, but um, basically, in a, in a hostile neighborhood and his rights to own a firearm to protect himself were, you know, were denied by the legislation of the city. 
Um, I support it. Um, I think that really, the, again, it's sad that our, our rights are being challenged from the First Amendment down. Um, but uh, if, if elected to office, I would be protecting that right for people to the right to own and bear arms. Um, with the recent spill in the Gulf of Mexico, support for offshore drilling is dropping dramatically. Do you support expanded drilling for oil in the United States, both in the continental U.S. and offshore? Yes, I do. And the reason why is because we cannot, we, we, we further put ourselves in harm's way by depending on oil and our energy supply from people who do not like us. And they could terrorize our economy at any given point should they decide to pull all oil or pull out shipping oil to us. We need to be self-sufficient. There are plenty of reserves here on our own country that we can put Americans to work, drill, and create jobs and fix our own economy until a later point where we can further develop green technology. But we have it here now. Why not utilize it? The Obama administration is using the spill uh, in, in the Gulf to push cap and trade. What are your thoughts on this policy? Would you vote for it? Would you vote against it? And what effect would it have on the voters of your district? I'm against cap and trade. It's more like cap and raid. What it is is essentially just tax and control. The government isn't building some supersized air cleaner that they're going to put all the money towards. Where is the money going? It's going towards entitlement, like within it, the work pay tax credit, which is a $400 individual or $800 per couple entitlement. It all it is is, once again, taking money from one, it's wealth redistribution. Um, and all it's really doing is capping American capitalism while raiding our treasury. Even the Heritage Foundation said that it'll significantly increase energy prices. This is no different from the Lieberman-Warner Climate Change Act. Once again, this administration and Congressman Scott is infringing on our rights, trying to find a way to tax our, take money from Americans, thereby slowing this recession and putting the nail in the coffin of a depression. I'm against it and will vote it down. Would you vote to repeal Obamacare? And if so, what are some solutions from a free market perspective that you would support to make health care more affordable? Well, within health care, I would vote to repeal it, whatever we can do to, to change it, reform it. What I would do, is, and, and we need to start with saying, who is this really about? This is about patients first, and then the relationship with the doctors. For me, we need to have a, the patient perspective and put them in control. Medicare has... $60 billion annually in, in fraud. We've got waste, fraud, abuse, plaguing it. What I would do, some solutions. How about some small business health plans where small businesses can pull together, create their own health plans for, for their employees or amongst each other. Allow people to buy across state lines. We've, we've beaten this into the mud so many times. How about healthcare savings accounts? Allowing people to take some of their, their income and use it and, and put it into accounts tax cuts for Americans. Wall Street gets $200 billion a year in tax savings because they, so many of them buy together. Why not allow small businesses or individuals who buy health care insurance to receive those same tax credits that Wall Street enjoys? Safeway, for example, uh, Safeway Corporation saved 11% in health care in the first year of implementing healthier lifestyles encouraging their employees to go to the gym, discounted gym memberships, have some fruit, simple things like that that don't cost a lot of money, we could do tremendous good inside the healthcare. The problem with healthcare is that you ask most anyone on the street, how much does X, Y, and Z surgery cost? 
There are no price limits because the relationship between the patient and the doctor is non-existent. We need to reintroduce that relationship. A perfect example is why did an Apple computer in 1984 cost four grand and, the, and, and a, a brand new laptop now is 600 bucks, which is probably 200 times the processing power. If we were to do healthcare like that, and it was that same old uh, Apple Macintosh, it would be the size of a city block by this point. Why can't we let free market enterprise solve the problems? Let patients deal directly with the doctors, thereby setting the price for all these procedures, and then we can get out of this. We can find affordable healthcare, but when we are not involved, and we allow the government to do the negotiating, it's disaster. Tsunami disaster is coming. What sets you apart from the rest of the field in your primary? My passion. My commandment of the issues. I understand what's going on. This isn't a, a rhetoric speech. I'm a small business owner. I ex am experiencing it, what's going on in this economy. I'm out there every day. When you look at the pictures of the campaign, you see that there's one candidate that looks like he's, his shirt is getting a little baggier. It's because I'm out there knocking on doors. That's what it takes to win. This campaign is all about going to the doors, trying to meet as many people as possible, not sitting on my laurels and waiting for the voters to be excited and energized. You've got to take the fight out there. And that's what I'm willing to do. It's a full-time job going after an incumbent congressman. It's not a part-time gig that you just go around and have nice speeches. It's that veracity, that, 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 uh, passion that is pushing us ahead because people are recognizing from both sides, be it liberal, Democrat, right wing, left wing, whatever, they're saying, look, this guy is serious about it. He, he intends on fixing it. He's, he's been through hardship on his own. He knows exactly what we're going through and he will fight for us. That's the difference And people. Every time I get an opportunity to get in front of them, they're like, okay, you're the guy. And I see why. Well, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Final thoughts are, November 2nd is so important, and July 20th is, off, is as paramount. We need to elect a conservative voice, not just someone with an R by their name, but someone who really lit, walks the walk and lives it. I've had hardship experience. I know what people are going through when they're losing their homes, they're losing their jobs, their way of lives. I've been there, but I fought for myself, and I'm running on this race to, to fight for everyone else. You know, all throughout this district, be it Cobb, Douglas, South Fulton, Clayton, Henry, the sliver of the cab, gerrymandering at its finest. But it, what, it, what it requires is someone who's willing to go into all parts of the district as a conservative and explain and, and tell people, look, this is how it's going to work. This is why this is not working. This is why immigration reform is not going to work for you. And these are the outcomes, and I urge you to support this campaign. And when we do that, Jason, we win. We're winning all over the district, and that's what it takes. I am just ex excited about the opportunity that I have right now because July 20th, God willing, I'll win the primary. And November 2nd, we'll defeat Congressman Scott, send him back to wherever he wants to go. He has a house in D.C. and one here, but... He'll be out of there, but we'll get some real conservative leadership in Washington, and we can turn, send the tide and turn this barge around and start getting back to American prosperity and ingenuity where the government is lessened and decreased and American values and ingenuity is increased. Well, Rupert, thank you very much for your time this evening. Where can we find you on the web?
Parchmentforcongress.com. Uh, parchment like the paper, like the Constitution, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Parchmentforcongress.com. You can find out where I stand on the issues. And I need your financial support and volunteers. Are you on Twitter and Facebook? Yes, sir. All right. Well, uh, July 20th is the primary. We've had several uh, candidates running in this district on the podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is the last podcast we'll be doing in the 2010 Candidate Series. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We've done 29 podcasts. This is the, the 29th. So, uh, yeah, Rupert, thank you very much for your time, and I appreciate it again. And uh, thank you very much for anyone on Peach Bundit who's been listening.